0: Now there's some really creative solutions out there from an fp perspective. One of the challenges with fp is a need to produce summary information, dashboards, PowerPoint presentations. Companies have solutions not only to improve the efficiency of gathering the information, but there is technology that exists that you can automatically update your PowerPoint presentation.
1: From an accounting perspective, I think the needs are a little bit different. Really what we're looking towards are ways to automate a lot of the consolidation process. Technology makes those aspects of reporting much easier, giving the organization a lot more time to analyze how did we do as an organization.
2: Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance.
3: Hi, I'm Gary Baker, Global Communications Director for the Hackett Group. Welcome to today's Business Acceleration Podcast. And today we'll be talking about the differing needs of financial reporting and financial planning and analysis, and how those needs can be addressed through technology. Joining me today, I have Associate Principal Linda Copeland, who focuses on FP&A, and Associate Principal Brian Wilson, who focuses on accounting. Hi, Linda. Hi, Brian. Hey, Gary. How are you today? Hi, Gary. Linda, why don't you start out by talking to us a little bit about some of the principles that define where financial reporting occurs?
0: Hey, thanks, Gary. Financial reporting is a really deep topic and something that uh, both Brian and I are passionate about. Uh, my lens is looking through it the FPA perspective. And when I think about financial reporting, I kind of like to start with talking about reporting strategy more broadly. And so, when I think about that, I think about what are the characteristics that define the needs from a reporting perspective. And that really defines what technology we use to solve that need. And one thing that is important from my perspective is understanding the timeliness of the information for the particular user of the report. And when I think about that, some examples would be clearly a manufacturing firm would need information on inventory more readily than a different function like treasury needing to know how to project long-term cash needs of an organization. And because of those different needs, we kind of set up technology in a way to meet those differing timeliness needs. Now, in order to deploy that technology, we consider those timeliness needs, and therefore we decide which technology to deploy. And clearly, if it is more real-time and need, you'll have to deploy technology that is more sophisticated. Whereas if you have a need like treasury that basically forecasts the long-term funding needs of an organization, it's less less timely and therefore we wouldn't deploy as a sophisticated technology. The other thing to consider when thinking about a reporting strategy is that within a firm, there are many different needs from a reporting perspective because there are many constituents across the organization. So for instance, manufacturing that I discussed earlier, they need information with regard to utilization of employees, they need information regarding inventory, the age of inventory, so they can manage that, marketing needs, things like what products are sold to to which customers, and also the senior leadership of the organization needs reporting needs. From a financial perspective, it really comes down into the needs of two separate groups which you talked about earlier, those needs from an accounting perspective and the needs from a financial planning perspective. Now, I'm going to be focusing more on the financial planning side of the the equation. And so if you look at the financial planning side of the equation, much of what we produce is called management reporting. And that basically allows us to compare historical performance to what we expected to occur in the future, essentially. So that's kind of distinguishing between the two different groups within the financial function. And Brian, maybe you have more information on it from my accounting perspective, some of those reporting needs. What are your thoughts?
1: Sure, thanks, Linda. I, I agree with you that from a guiding principles perspective, the timeliness of the information and when that is really needed, kind of starts to give that divergence between the SPNA perspective around management reporting versus what we would consider to be a little bit more of a narrow lens when it comes to accounting. So again, that timeliness of that, the way that we look at the information from an accounting perspective is typically a point in time looking backwards. So the timeliness of it is much different than, to your point earlier, an operation manager needing to understand uh, the level of inventory at any given point in time. So there's definitely the timeliness aspect of it from a guiding principles perspective, as well as just the needs of the two different functions. Again, we can talk in detail a little bit later around specific functions. But when we talk about guiding principles, it's just a much more narrow uh, lens that we look at from an accounting perspective, simply because there are a lot more restrictions in place, a lot more regulations, a lot more standards involved around the accounting function uh, versus the finance function.
3: Well, That's a pretty good snapshot, I'd say, of, of kind of the differing needs of these two areas. Linda, can you talk to us a little bit about the primary objectives of the FP&A function?
0: It's often said that uh, when they compare accounting and financial planning, that accounting is backward-looking and that financial planning is forward-looking. And while I agree with that simple statement, obviously, it's a little bit more complex than that. And so from my perspective, when you think about accounting, you're basically producing financial reports to satisfy the needs of potential investors or existing investors, So a potential investor will want to know how well the company is going. So they will want to look at what happened historically. And in that decision-making, whether to invest in a firm, that historical information is very important, and therefore the SEC and other regulatory bodies come in and define what is appropriate for the needs of those potential investors as well as existing investors. Now, from an FPA perspective, it's a little bit different. Rather than providing information for people to invest in the company, the way I look at it is we have been given an amount of money to invest within the company. So we take a shareholder's money and we work with our business partners to deploy that capital that has been provided to us in a profitable way. So we're evaluating decisions throughout the period of time to deploy that capital appropriately. And so that's really the focus of what we do in FP&A. How do we help our business partners decide where to invest, where to divest? And so a couple examples of that would be where a, a company decides to invest in products. So we introduce a new product as an example. The FP&A team will go through that analysis and decide and help the marketing department or the, the CEO decide where to invest in a new product, and we will accumulate information, uh, we will produce a profitability report, whether it be cash flow or p and and we will need reporting around that decision. Similarly, if a marketing department is expecting to go into a new market, there's a certain amount of investment that has to occur in order to support that new investment. We also get involved with things like, do we buy a new company? we acquire a company because the synergies between our company and another company are such that it makes sense economically? And so all those types of decisions that we help companies make in FPA needs reporting. As you would imagine, if we buy a new company, we want to make sure that the future value of the companies increase as a result of that purchase. So our focus is on deploying capital in an appropriate way to increase the value of the company. Now, some of the processes that we get involved with to support that deployment decision would include, as an example, a long-term strategic plan. So we sit down with the leaders of the business to set the overall goals of the organization long-term to meet the financial needs of our shareholders. So we will come up with financial reporting that demonstrates that in the long-term, many, many years or five years, that type of thing. We expect the company to derive this amount of money from a profitability perspective. That's one example. And once that strategic plan is set in place with some guiding principles, we cascade that information down into what we call the annual budgeting process. And that annual budgeting process involves a lot of people getting together and determining how to achieve those financial goals that were set forth in strategic plan. And so people come together, make decisions, they build up a financial plan, whether it's expenses or or estimate the revenue to uh, occur within that particular year, and all that information is built up. And what we do as a financial planning group is we pull that information together and we compare that to historical information, the kinds of information that Brian provides us, and then decide whether that's appropriate or whether we can achieve that. That's one process. Another process involves a monthly or quarterly forecast. And so what that process is, is identifying whether we're achieving that targeted performance. And so we have a whole portfolio of reports that we use to compare what was projected or what our goals were versus what has actually happened. Again, that actual information is provided by the accounting team, essentially. And then we also have things like defining product line profitability. We do a detailed design at a much deeper grain, a much more granular level than an accounting group would do, would typically be involved in, to determine those products that are more profitable. And so again, what we do from a financial planning perspective is help deploy capital. And the level on which we work with the business to define how to deploy it more efficiently is much deeper than an accounting group, as an example.
3: Okay. Okay. Brian, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about the other side of this, you know, the objectives of the accounting function and and how it differs from FP&A?
1: Sure, absolutely. So, like Linda said, from an accounting perspective, a lot of what we do is a point in time in terms of what we report on the information that we're providing from an accounting standpoint. I really break this down into really two different areas. There is a compliance component of this again, specific to the accounting function. And then there's also an investor confidence or, or being able to provide information to external parties as another component, kind of primary component from an accounting standpoint. So when we talk about compliance, really what we're talking about is for publicly held companies or organizations, there are very specific financial reporting processes that we have to abide by. These rules are are governed by, in the United States at least, from a generally accepted accounting principles or a GAAP perspective. You'll hear the term CAP quite often when you're talking about accounting. These are accounting standards that are adopted by uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the Financial Accounting Standard Boards, along with some other regulators, uh, depending on the industry that you're in. And really what that does is that ensures that from an investor perspective or for any sort of external body's perspective, when you're looking at an organization, the performance of that organization, again, a snapshot in time, that you have confidence that when I'm looking at one company and comparing it to another, uh, whether it's for banking purposes, for investor purposes, and so on, I'm looking at apples to apples, and one organization is not valuing something differently than another organization was. So it provides that standardization across the board to give that confidence to not only the management of each company as they compare to their peers within their industries, but also to any other outside investors, any other external organizations that are considering performing any sort of investment or any other type of regulation or investigation with those companies. So... When we talk about compliance, it really is more being standard across the board from a reporting standpoint to then provide investors with the confidence that they're looking at information that makes sense when they relate it or compare it to other organizations within that industry vertical, for instance. So a little bit more narrow lens, like we talked about, it is uh, much more of a routine process from month to month. So where Linda talks about an fpa function being almost variable from month to month or quarter to quarter depending on the objectives of the internal directives that an organization might be driving to whether it's producing a new product a new service charting you know moving into uncharted territory uh, within their organization when we talk about accounting it is very routine um, not necessarily mundane because there's a lot of tasks associated with it but it is from month to month from quarter to quarter from year to year a very repeatable process that we're aiming for so that we can have assurance that when we provide financial reports internally to executive leadership and externally to outside investors or, or other banking firms, that they have confidence in those numbers being um, accounted for properly or reported properly. So a little bit more rigid from that standpoint compared to FP&A, but it is definitely a necessary component of the whole financial reporting process.
3: Interesting. Linda, can you talk to us a little bit about the types of reporting that FP&A requires? Of course.
0: In consideration of the discussion that I just had about FP&A, being the group that is primarily responsible for assuring that we deploy capital in the correct way, I kind of look at it as three different categories of reporting or communication responsibilities. The first being evaluating investment decisions. So, uh, we produce a number of reports that help support a individual within the company to make an investment decision. So if a business unit leader wants to acquire a new company, we will build uh, unique reports or specific reports that are used by the company to support that decision-making process. Obviously, we talked about that our focus is in the future in predicting and helping predict the future profitability of the company. And so there are a number of different reports that are focused on months out or years out. And that provides the leadership with some indication of what we expect to happen. And then finally, after all that work is being done, the investment decision, the decision about what the future looks like from a profitability perspective, we come back and do a number of different reports that indicate to the firm whether our expectations are being met or not. So we have targeted performance and we have actual information, again, derived from the information that, that Brian provides to determine if we're meeting our needs so that we can course correct as necessary. So specific types of reporting packages that we do in the financial planning realm are things like budget binders. So as you can imagine, when you're in a very large organization, you have hundreds of people involved with the developing the plan for the next year so that we satisfy those needs that were defined in the strategic plan. And so this budget binder is quite extensive. It really details the steps that are necessary, the, the investment decisions that are being made to meet those annual needs. These binders could be anywhere from hundreds of pages to or even more than that. Uh, the thing that really distinguishes the content of that budget binder versus maybe a report that is needed to satisfy a regulation or generally accepting accounting principle is the depth. And so those binders are really deep in data, meaning that we will report as an example on the sales of a product at a very granular level by geographic region. So as an example, if you were selling uh, footwear, you would have a report that would say, this is how much footwear we're selling in Italy or in the European area. Additionally, we'll have some detail around how much is being spent at a very deep level, like a cost center. Uh, like in marketing. So the level of granularity of that data is deep because we want to make sure that we're achieving our objectives. But it also includes some high-level traditional financial statements as well. In addition to that general data that is provided within these budget binders, we do variance analysis, which typically are PowerPoint printouts or presentations that are part of the binder that is a more analytic bent on it. So we would have charts and graphs to demonstrate how we expect to proceed during the year from a profitability perspective. So that's the annual planning process. We also have similar types of reporting needs at, again, a deeper level at the divisional level. So you start with the corporate, you go down to the divisional level, that detail is a lot more granular than at the, the corporate level, right? So you're getting more and more deep into the amount of data that you're providing. And then you can also have information about product lines. so if you're a financial planning individual supporting a product manager, uh, part of that information will include a deeper level of knowledge with regard to a particular product and obviously we have uh, the supporting needs as, reporting needs as, as it relates to the strategic planning process. now in addition to those types of reporting packages, we do variance analysis a lot so Again, we talked about that earlier. Are we meeting our targeted performance? So we will have actuals versus planned results in a detailed level. We'll have things like constant dollar analysis where you take, where it eliminates the effects of foreign exchange changes, rate changes to understand what is the basic business operating, how it is basically operating, how the business is operating, excluding the effects of the foreign exchange changes. And we do, from a periodicity perspective, we do monthly, year-to-date analysis, annual analysis. We often get involved with reporting that is uh, would be considered like a squeeze report where you, you identify areas where people are not spending their resources and they're pushing all the planned spending out to later years. So we evaluate whether that's appropriate or not. And so, there's a lot of reporting needs, but the one characteristic is that it's a really a lot more detail than typically in the accounting function, and it's targeted for a specific business user so they can make the right economic decision.
3: Brian, can you kind of give us a contrasting view of reportings from an accounting function perspective?
1: Sure. So, like Linda said, there is a lot more of a granular level of detail from an FP&A perspective or from an FP&A function standpoint. In fact. In most organizations, if you look at the two groups, traditionally, the FP&A group is a much larger group performing a lot more analysis specific to even departments or cost centers within an organization. Whereas normally from an accounting standpoint, the accounting teams are typically much smaller because we're taking a little bit of a step back and looking at the company as a whole, right? We're looking at it as an organization From a higher level, we're looking at the overall performance of the organization, not necessarily one specific business line or one specific service within a company. From a high level, the accounting function really covers more of the basic financial uh, accounting information related to that organization. So we're talking about uh, reports like an income statement, a balance sheet, maybe accounts payable or accounts receivable balances and agings, uh, statements of cash flows, some of the more just standard traditional reports that you would see in an external report or an annual report that might be you know produced by an organization each year or, or every quarter. those are standardized reports that again, because we're dealing with regulatory agencies, we're, we're dealing with external parties, we have to have some standardization and efficiency around how we produce those things. So the reports that we provide, when you look at one company to the next, look very similar the content might be a little bit different because of the industry that they're in but it is more around those standardized kind of set of financials and a lot of times these are some of the foundational starting points for some of what management reporting does but at the end of the day when we talk about just the accounting function we're really focusing on those primary financial statements uh, that you see day in and day out uh, in all of the major publicly traded companies privately held corporations they're using those month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year to do comparison from a historical perspective. The other important thing to note about um, these particular types of reports is that these are typically the reports that are going to be audited for accuracy, whether it's by the government, by accounting firms or independent accountants. When we think about, again, the compliance aspect of this, you don't really see auditing firms or governments looking into any sort of management reporting statements because they're not for public consumption typically. So there starts to be that differentiation in between the types of reports that we produce from an accounting standpoint versus what's being done from an FP&A standpoint. But all in all, the way that I like to look at these reports when it comes specifically to accounting is that they're really just reflecting the, the financial standing of a business at that specific point in time. So again, to Linda's earlier point, we're looking at a snapshot in time from an accounting standpoint to make sure that we understand specifically how the business is positioned based on its previous performance. But we're never going to give insight into the specifics of operations or potentially how a company may perform in the future simply because that's not the function of accounting. So we stick to those kind of standard financial reports that uh, that I just spoke of uh, simply because we, we, we really focus on a little bit more narrow lane than what fp would perform.
3: So let's kind of end with a little bit of a discussion about emerging technology. Linda, talk to us a little bit about technology solutions that can improve uh, reporting for FP&A and then give Brian a chance to talk a little bit about accounting. So clearly what we've established so
0: far is that even though these two groups, the accounting group and the the FP&A group, reside within the financial function of a company, the needs and objectives of these two groups are very different and as a result of that how we deploy technology to meet those needs is turns out to be very different as well as you would expect and so when i think about the characteristics of designing a solution to meet the pna need pna teams need i think about designing a database or a technology that has a lot more information than that would typically reside in an accounting system and as a result of that deeper amount of information or more information We deploy technology solutions from a database perspective that are more agile, that can add up numbers and create results in a more in a quicker basis and more quickly, can do that more quickly. We also are making sure that the technology we deploy includes the ability to make changes. So we have technology from a reporting perspective that allows us to decide that maybe a business unit isn't reporting up to this corporate. Department it's reporting someplace else because the business is often changes or we're designing a database that allows for the addition of a new business and so the deployment of uh, technology is based on that agile uh, nature of the, the function itself. Now there's some really creative solutions out there that I've recently come across that I think is really important from an FPA perspective. But one of the challenges with FPA. Based on what we talked about is the fact that there is a need to produce summary information, dashboards, PowerPoint presentations. And what we find is that most companies spend a lot of resources or deploy resources to support the development of those PowerPoint presentations. In fact, when I was in FPA, one of the things that, that concerned a lot of people that reported me is that they spent their entire days producing PowerPoint presentations. And so Companies like Oracle have solutions, not only to improve the efficiency of gathering the information from an investment decision, but also have efficiency in producing that information. There is technology that exists that you can automatically update your PowerPoint presentations as an example to reflect the new data that was keyed into the database. And so that technology allows for the more efficient production of some of these reports. Brian, do you have any thoughts on from your perspective in accounting?
1: Sure. So, from an accounting perspective, I think the needs are a little bit different. Again, because of the level of granularity, because of some of the standards that exist around the accounting function, a lot of times, from a technology standpoint, really what we're looking towards are ways to automate a lot of the consolidation process, for instance, prior to actually creating a financial statement, right? So, things like the elimination of intercompany activity within an organization. Is something that can be really time consuming from a reporting standpoint and trying to generate. Whereas, like you said, Linda, Oracle has technology such as financial consolidation and close that, that does that automatically. So, when we start to think of the accounting function right before we actually do the reporting, we get into the use cases around closing the books, right? You hear that quite often in the accounting department. That is the, again, that point in time snapshot of where an organization is, how an organization is performing for that particular time period. Uh, You get into use cases around intercompany elimination, translation of uh, various foreign currencies into one standard reporting currency. Again, to get into the the standard set of financial statements that we've talked about previously, the ability to do potential uh, consolidation journal entries uh, related to a specific time period. Uh, Again, the technology consumes all of that force and makes those aspects of reporting much easier. It reduces the, the amount of time needed to aggregate all of the transactional information coming from your general ledger, for instance, and increases the ability to, or the efficiency to generate those financial statements, giving the organization a lot more time to analyze how did we do as an organization, where are some of the deficiencies that we might see as an organization, when it comes to the the accounting side of of the the reporting process, so by leveraging some of the technology, you know, like I said, that Oracle's provided around financial consolidation and close. If we get a little bit deeper into the accounting function, when we start to talk about account reconciliation, again, it is a standard methodology for reporting something that is going to be audited. By external or internal auditors for that manner. Again, Oracle is able to provide an account reconciliation solution uh, that helps to expedite uh, the processing of those, so that we can then generate the reports with confidence. Those are some areas of technology between just consolidation and account reconciliation that we typically will leverage Oracle technology for to help get to that end state goal of producing those financial statements with confidence.
3: Okay, thank you both. That's a great conversation on a very complex topic. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Gary.
2: Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehacketgroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode or send us an email at podcast at The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.